This series gives you a direct line to the pinnacle traders. We're covering everything from when the odds are initially posted to looking at how the market might react. This is the opening line. It's time for week 15 of the NFL season and we're going to run through those opening numbers from Pinnacle, get some insight from the traders and see if we can uncover any early value from the odds that have been posted. Of course, as always, here to help is Adam Chernoff. How's things going, Adam? Getting back into the swing of things this morning. Sunday was a grind, to say the least, but I'm I'm more curious about your golf adventure in the extreme cold temperature. It was It was dry. And I played 17 over, which is pretty decent off a 24 handicap. Okay. I I don't know if I'm more surprised to hear you went 17 over off a 24 that it was dry in the UK in December. I must be a winter golfer, I think. That's what it worked (laughs) to my advantage. There we go. Right. Enough golf. Should we get on to some NFL? Yeah, we could, if you want, we can go President's Cup starting on Wednesday if you like to. <laughs> we'll go for the New York Jets at the Baltimore Ravens and big, big handicap on this one. Opened up at the Ravens, minus 15, immediately nudged out to fit minus 15 and a half. Now looking like it could go back the other way. And we've got an over-under of 44 and a half with the undertaking a bit of money. And you were pleased to know, Adam, that the traders thought this one was set to drop and are wary of it giving away too many points to the Jets. So do you think the handicap should be this big? Wow, you can never give away too many points to the Jets. You know what they'll do with those. Um, it, it reminds me of the Vikings-Redskins game from Thursday night. That was sometime early, mid-October. But the Vikings were facing a Redskins team with pretty contrasting results up to that point, which I think is going to be a theme that we talk about as we go through some of these games. Um, and the Vikings were pushed out to like a 16 and a half, 17 point favorite, if I remember correctly. And that turned out to be like a 19, nine game where it was just slow. Both teams, um, had a focus of running the football. They matched up somewhat well defensively against each other. And it was just an ugly sort of have to get it out of the way Thursday night game. And considering the Jets, and how they're able to stop the run up front. I know Baltimore looks very different, and it's a much different game plan, but with this big of a number, it really makes me wonder. I'm not sure I have the confidence in the Jets to score against this Baltimore defense, but um, just from the number itself, knowing what kind of game we're going to get and how this is going to look, it certainly feels a little bit big. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this push back towards 14, uh, maybe it gets to a flat 14, but uh, at 15 and a half, that's certainly a little bit long for sure. And we can move straight on to the New England Patriots at the Cincinnati Bengals, another d- double-digit handicap with the Patriots at minus 10. Behind the three and the seven, we know that that's the next most important number, and it seems that the traders don't want to move it through that just yet. The over-under looks pretty set on 40 and a half. We had the Bengals take an action last week. Do you think we'll see more of the same this week? I was surprised, to say the least, to see that Bengals total or Bengals side continue to come down last week. Uh, they looked. I, I don't know if it was a case of them looking good or the Cleveland Browns' run defense just looking atrocious in that spot. Uh, but the Bengals were able to move the ball, and actually, the box score turned out to be uh, pretty misleading overall. So. Interest to see that sort of carry through. Very different case here with New England this week. So um, not surprised to see this number this big. But I think, again, with sort of the result we saw from New England, 
against Kansas City, leaving a lot of betters within the market pretty uninspired coming into this game. So at 10, we might see it come off of there and sit sort of at the irrelevant number that is minus nine. Uh, But I don't know if this is going to go too much lower in favor of the New England Patriots unless... uh, unless we see some injury news or something come up as a surprise. I think it only has room to move the other direction in favor of New England going up back towards the 10. And are you one of the few that, that took the Browns early on and kicking themselves after the, the final result against the Bengals? Yeah, I took a bad number earlier in the week. I did not expect it to go any lower than what we saw. Um, like It opened 10 and a half at some places, and so it got down to 8 and a half. And I was like, there's no way this can go lower. It's it's nuts. Sure enough, I got to six and a half yesterday morning, uh, right before kickoff. And so anyone who bet it late obviously did quite well, but I was kind of stuck in the middle there with a really bad ticket. Right, so now we'll get on to the Houston Texans at the Tennessee Titans. Always fun trying to work out the Texans this season. Inconsistencies highlighted once again last week. They dominated the Patriots and then they went down with a whimper to the Broncos. Our traders make them a three-point underdog here with a total of 48 and a half. And despite what the early market says, and despite those two contrasting performances we saw from these two last week, the traders are actually keen on the Texans and the over. So what do you make of that? I, it's a green light on Houston. I don't think there's any question about that. And if you're handicapping this game, I think you, the way that you're sort of forced to, if you're looking at the Houston Texans, then it's going to lead you to betting on the over as well. And really this comes down to the Tennessee Titans secondary, which is without a doubt the most overrated unit offense or defense, either side of the football in the entire NFL 27th in past defense success rate since Ryan Tannehill took over. And that's against the easiest schedule of passing opponents in the NFL in that time. And you look at Houston's second in passing success rate, As you mentioned, the contrasting results, some Las Vegas casinos had the look-ahead number before these games played on Sunday, Tennessee minus one. Houston loses as a double-digit favorite. Tennessee wins by three touchdowns. We see this above the key number of three. I don't think that's going to last. I don't think the total at 48.5 is going to last. I think this is a market that moves up Houston and the over, and I would be pretty confident in both of those. And then we've got the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Oakland Raiders. No early movement on this one just yet. The Raiders minus five and a half and the points total on 45 and a half. I'm not sure if this is the case of the the odds are just spot on or if no one really cares about this game all too much. Do you think we're going to see people get involved at these numbers as we move through the week? I think there's going to be somebody or a group of people who are interested in the Oakland Raiders just because of how visibly lacking... The effort is on the Jacksonville defensive side of the football. Uh, There's nothing good going on in that locker room at the moment. And that would be uh, putting it lightly to not give sort of everything away. But it's an ugly situation in the Jacksonville locker room. And these results are just not coming through on the field. So at five and a half, there's certainly not really a lot of support for the Oakland Raiders at this time, considering the slide that they've been on the last three to four weeks. But I do think that five and a half, this is a game that can sort of push towards seven. Maybe it gets to the flat seven. That would be sort of the high point. But I think six, six and a half is certainly reasonable for this number. 
And then we've got the Cleveland Browns at the Arizona Cardinals and the Browns continue to just about do enough and it looks like this could be another close one of the weekend. They're a two-point favourite on the handicap against the Cardinals, a 46.5 point over-under here and it's another one that the traders are saying that, that they'd be on their over if they, were, if they were the ones betting on it and not posting the odds. So do you agree with that and do you think there could be something in the handicap as well here? Well, I was certainly on the over against the Pittsburgh Steelers with the Cardinals. And while the yardage differential didn't really suggest a game that should have had more than 35 points, the five empty red zone trips with two interceptions inside the 10-yard line left me a little bit angry on my couch watching the games yesterday. So uh, what I did notice was the Arizona offense was sort of forced to slow down a little bit by the referees. And that was a bit unusual to see. Uh, but just how Kyler Murray looked against that defense was a little bit concerning. What I what I will say about this matchup, though, Cleveland, as I mentioned a little earlier, really struggled to defend the run against Cincinnati, was giving up a ton of yards. The offense for the Browns looked, looked explosive. And we know how bad this Arizona secondary is. So I think that if you sort of build out the matchup, you're going to see that over certainly the look here. With a below the key number of 47, I think it's probably the way that you're going to have to handicap this game or, the, or rather the conclusion you come to if you are handicapping this game. Uh, not sure how long it lasts below the key number of 47, but I ter- certainly think that it'll get up to that 47 at some time this week. Sounds like it's a, a week of close calls, and this week we're hoping for something different. There was, this is a true story, and so I had I had about 10 different bets out there, and there was somebody within sort of my channel, my network, that said he teased all of my games, regardless side or total, and hit some of the biggest teasers he's ever hit, because every single result I had fell within a field goal of, of where it closed. Well, at least someone's winning. So, <laughs> so at least somebody is having some success following what's going on the last couple of weeks. Right, so our next game is the Atlanta Falcons at the San Francisco 49ers and a big win for the 49ers at the weekend. It means we've got another double-digit handicap here. San Francisco minus 11 at the start, over-under on 46.5 at the moment and early money suggests that that could creep up throughout the week. So do you have any thoughts on this one and where the market might move here? Initial thought on the point spread was it's maybe maybe a touch big. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see this come down to like a 10.5 or a 10. Uh, but not much lower than that. I think that's sort of the floor. Uh, I, I don't know how you can really look at this game and make a solid case for the under at this price point. I think this is another case where it's, it's just sort of depending stylistically how these two teams approach each other. We know San Francisco does have a pretty high run rate coming off a pretty grueling couple week stretch. Um, it's not like we haven't seen them start off slow at home a couple times. Uh, with numbers this large in their favors. So at 46 and a half, I think it's just a safe number that was floated out there just below the key. Um, Could get taken up to the 47. I don't think there's going to be too much interest for the under, at least initially in this game, coming off of what we saw both of these teams do, putting up 40 plus points last week. And then we've got the LA Rams at the Dallas Cowboys, probably one of the standout games from week 15. Cowboys were hovering around that three no confidence in them from the market and they've dropped to minus two and a half and it's looking like that could go even further. Total meanwhile is on 48. You called it last week with the big game for the Rams. Do you think the market will buy into that and continue to sell on the Cowboys? Well, we've already seen a bit of selling uh, was as high as three 
at open. So the traders have made the move to go up to, down to the two and a half. I think it's pretty clear that that's going to go lower as all of a sudden the Rams really coming back and looking like the team I think we expected them to be. And defensively, it's going to be a pretty big challenge for Dallas within the passing game. Have to wonder what exactly is going on with Amari Cooper. A couple games in a row now, he hasn't had an explosive catch, which is pretty unusual for this offense. And the Rams have been quite good, surprisingly, against the run, too. So it's a bit of a difficult matchup for the Cowboys, who, despite having all this talent, just it just has the feel like there's something we aren't necessarily being told about what's going on within this offense. And I think that really came through on Thursday night football in just another weird spot. Now there's finally sort of the indication that Jason Garrett's going to be out at the end of the season. You wonder how that looks now, um, knowing that the team doesn't have a lot of confidence in their head coach. So uh, pretty unstable ground. And on the other hand, the Rams, if they win out, they're going to get that last wild card seed in the NFC. So uh, really liking what I'm seeing from LA, really like how they get the tight ends involved now and within that offense. Uh, everyone's healthy. It's a pretty good looking side at the moment. So not surprising to see this number can continue to come down. And uh, it could be potentially that we see this one go off right around the pick. Remember that LA opened as a three point underdog on the road at Seattle last week by Tuesday morning, that was down to uh, a pick them. So not, wouldn't be surprising to see a similar case here within this market. And if the, the Cowboys lose this and then they go and lose to the Eagles as well, do you think Garrett even sees out the end of the season? I don't know if the, Maybe there's like a point, knowing how big Jerry Jones' ego is, that he gets rid of him before a meaningless Week 17 game. But um, I don't know if the timing really suits it. it. It might turn into one of those Black Monday things after the season's over where everyone gets dropped, and that just gives him the press that he sort of feels vindicated with for Garrett blowing the season. But hard to say what the intention is there. But uh, it certainly... Um, from an Eagles futures holder perspective, like I am, uh, wouldn't mind seeing Dallas drop this game and then that happen before uh, the, the big matchup next week against the Eagles for the division. So swiftly on to the Minnesota Vikings at the LA Chargers. Another one that's close to the key number after some big handicaps were on one that's three. Seems like it's moving in favor of the favorite. Still minus two and a half on the Vikings with an over under at 45 and a half. You said last week or a couple of weeks ago about the market seems to always like the Chargers and that that turned out to be true. Does the market like them enough to stop the Vikings getting to three here? Well, I think these are two teams that draw sort of an equal amount of support from those who can influence the market. Uh, we saw Minnesota, probably one of the more sharper moves, I guess, more influential moves, you can call it, uh, two weeks ago against Seattle on Monday Night Football. Uh and now we're pretty much seeing a big standalone spot here in the afternoon where uh, they're going up against the LA Chargers who are starting to put some performances together. This is just sort of probably going to be a lot of back and forth, I would expect, within the market. Pretty difficult game to handicap overall here. I think from just a side perspective, at two and a half could turn out to be a pretty valuable teaser game. But from the side, I don't think we're going to see too much movement here. Maybe this gets sort of consolidated up at a three, but considering that this was a two and a half leaning towards the three right at open. And now we're seeing it sort of lean towards the LA Chargers with this number coming down just a little bit. Um, probably that initial buy point on the Minnesota Vikings would have came a little bit earlier if there was going to be one. So I think at two and a half, this is a game that probably just lingers in this dead zone for much of the week. 
And then we've got the Buffalo Bill, Bills at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bills just about road dogs here at plus one and a half and a very low over under at 37. Traders this, think this one suits the Bills and the, although we're yet to see money on them yet, it might be one where we see some late movement as those limits bump up in a few days. Do you think that could be the case? I'm concerned only for the Josh Allen splits against the better secondaries that he has faced. The Ravens uh, yesterday really sort of dared him to throw the football. Uh, They were blitzing at a ridiculous rate. And they just said, if you want to beat us deep, go ahead. And they left matchups that were favorable for Allen to take advantage of. And he couldn't do it. And so I don't think that that sort of game plan is going to go too far over the Pittsburgh coaching staff's head. And they certainly have the personnel up front within that defense to do the exact same thing and arguably have a bit of a better cover secondary. So this is a spot where Buffalo's going to have to win the battle uh, of physicality up front at the offensive line. And they're going to have to find success through Singletary running the football. Uh, I certainly think that that's something that they can do. Uh, a more concerning, perhaps, is the way that Duck Hodges matches up against this Buffalo secondary, too. So it, it's a case where I think both quarterbacks are in a pretty poor matchup, and it comes down to looking at sort of the who has the coaching advantage. And I think if you're getting McDermott in Buffalo with potentially a field goal, the way that this game is moving, that might be a little bit too ambitious. If this does hit three, certainly going to be a snap buyback on the Buffalo Bills. But I think if this gets up to like a two and a half, we're probably going to see uh, the Bills on the money line take a little bit of interest too, just because I think that that coaching matchup is pretty favorable for the Bills and what they can put together uh, on a week's notice. So I, it's like you said, I think this is going to continue to moving up with Pittsburgh taking some attention early. And we might see that turn around later in the week. We see in the makings of a another quarterback, maybe making the Adam Chernoff hit list. Uh, there's a couple lingering on the edge, but with it being towards the end of the season, uh, I, I think I'm more focused on that Titan secondary getting opened up uh, than I am any quarterbacks getting added to that list. Now we've got the Indianapolis Colts at the New Orleans Saints, and the Saints Saints are minus eight for this one after losing out the 49ers. The Colts were also on the losing end of a pretty high-scoring game as well, and the market doesn't seem to want any of them at these numbers. Maybe it's a bit surprising to see the total at 45.5, but we are seeing action on the over. I know you're a bit frustrated with the Colts, as you are a few teams this this uh, this week, but is there any anything to read into with the odds here? Well, the Colts blew. <laughs> this is I don't think I've ever been on a team that had this happen. They blew three different double-digit leads, including a 14-point lead in the third quarter. So uh, pretty disappointing, as you mentioned, all around. But it's another one of these games where the Colts' defense had an advantage coming into the game through the numbers against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' offense. You dig into these box scores, the Colts gave up 542 total yards, 467 passing yards. Um, so this defense for the Colts uh, benefited from, again, two defensive touchdowns. So as as frustrating as it was, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers never had any issues moving the football on this Colts defense. The Saints obviously look a little bit different. You're not going to get Drew Brees throwing 50-yard passes downfield like Jameis Winston was doing with a fractured hand. Um, it's going to look different. It's going to be a bit slower, but I start to wonder now uh, if there's something going on within this Colts defense, because this was a really good unit uh, and they've sort of been crumbling 
a little bit now that they even that they've got healthy. So um, big number for the Saints, but it, not really a game that I'm looking to get involved with one way or another. I think this is uh, a pretty difficult game to handicap when you're looking at like an eight and a half for the Saints and a total right in sort of the middle of the range at 45 and a half. So two good numbers by the traders. Who cares about the bad beats? You got this almost free therapy to get it all off your chest. Yeah, I feel so much better talking to you than the money that I lost yesterday. (laughs) That just makes up for everything. Well, sadly, that brings an end to it. That is our full slate for week 15. Great run through there, Adam, and plenty of information condensed into just 20 minutes. So thanks again for coming on, and I'll I'll speak to you again when we take a deeper dive into each of these matchups later in the week. Looking forward to it. Enjoy the week. And I hope everyone enjoyed today's episode. If you want to put this information to good use, then you can get all the odds we discussed over on Pinnacle.com. Remember to tune into our preview episode in the week to help inform those predictions for week 15 of the NFL. And as always, please gamble responsibly. 